0: Hey, hey, welcome back. How are you doing? So today I am very honored to be joined by a researcher, a professor, a businessman, and our partner. Yes, I'm speaking about Herr Kole, co-founder of CC And in this conversation, we'll be covering all the mathematics behind workforce management. We'll be speaking about multiple angles on how mathematics are important for workforce management, but also we are going to touch, since Herr is a professor, everything about learning and how important learning is for workforce management. Let's go. Hey, welcome to our show. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Uh, so how are you doing, first of all?
1: I'm doing fine, just back from uh, holidays, um, working again this week, both at university and here today at CC Mart. So, and it's uh, also nice to be back. Okay. So let me start with one
0: of the hardest questions that we normally ask in the beginning, um, which is we had loads of definitions about what workforce management is, but I would love to have your take on, in one phrase, how would you describe what, what does it mean to you?
1: Well, in the first place, what, what we call workforce management, I think I would call it workforce planning because management entails more than what we do, but it's about matching demand and supply. It's about matching number of calls or other contacts coming in and having the right number of the right people at the right time right, to, to answer calls within service level without overstuffing, without spending too much. I think that that would be the, uh, well, the one phrase definition.
0: And you mentioned it in a way that uh, one of the things I normally say is that when we look at different industries, these principles exist. They exist in logistics, they exist in different types of factories. And the principles by concept are the same, then technicalities are different because we are talking about different types of work. But I like the way you summarize it because it actually makes it fit like to almost any of these uh, different
1: industries. Yes, but there are also differences. And the biggest difference is the, well, the speed that with things in, in call centers and contact centers happen, even in emergency care. Uh, the, the time it takes for an ambulance to go to an accident is perhaps 50 minutes. The time to drive back to the hospital is another 50 minutes. So people have time to prepare. And in call centers, you have to respond, well, often within 20 seconds. So the speed at which things happen and also the availability of technology to optimize all the WFM process, I think that's very special to, to call centers. And... That's also what, from a technical side, attracts me to call centers. Because of this speed, you, you need to, there, there is the opportunity and also the need to have, well, advanced mathematical methodologies to make sure that things go as they should go.
0: And I think that's, that's very interesting. And- specifically on the workforce management, I think speed is at the answers many times. So you have been here for quite some time working uh, alongside this industry as it moved. And I think moved quite big because we had breakouts from support being done just on phones. Over time, we got like email, chat, different cloud solutions that just disrupted um, at different speeds, uh, to be be honest. So uh, how would you rate the maturity of the WFM industry today?
1: Uh, On a scale from uh, zero to 10, well, I don't know, perhaps seven or eight. If you compare um, call center workforce management with other industries, for example, healthcare, then they are rated much lower. So I think the use of technology in call centers, it's much much more advanced than other industries. But on the other hand, there are still many possibilities. And when I look at a lot of the tooling that is available for workforce management, I see the same tools as when I started in call center 20 years ago. So there's a lot of legacy software. And of course, eh, they, they, certain steps were made, but I think... And of course, that, that's also what we try to achieve with CCMouth. I think hey, we can really make a, a leap forward. And I, there, there are many opportunities to go from this seven or eight uh, to do it even better.
0: Do, do you think that the expansion in order to improve this maturity, how much is it related with technology and how much is it related eventually with actually the development of the professionals and the function itself?
1: Well, I, I think it's both. Uh, every new solution needs to be uh, accepted and you need people who believe in new technology and want to adapt it. So that is in, in, in every change that plays a major role. On the other hand, I think, of course, you need good professionals and you need good tooling. But I don't think that tooling... Uh, will replace professionals. eh? It's like they cooperate. It's it's a tool that makes uh, the skill set of the professionals stronger. But I I do think to a large extent a lot of the knowledge that is still required and a lot of the work that is done in Excel by, by planners can be replaced by smart tooling. And that means that the planners can focus on other things. I mean, a forecaster spending days and days manipulating excel sheets should actually talk to people and try to uh, talk to the marketing and, and make sure he or she has all the information about campaigns and then spend way less time on some appropriate forecasting tool
0: yeah, and, and and there is a lot of cleaning up reconciliation cleaning up reconciliation then yeah, mismatch yeah. of information back and forward. Exactly.
1: So, and there are so many errors made and people reinventing the wheel that's that's not necessary. Yeah. So, so so let's take that and divert more to
0: the scientific side of uh, of this. And I think you will enjoy that uh, since you are a professor as well. Yeah. that yeah. uh, in, in this field. So... There is a lot of mathematics behind uh, what we do, but I wanted to start by you co-founded uh, CCMath, uh, so yes. I wanted to know what kind of sparked the creation of CCMath.
1: Well, actually, back in in '96, um, I started here in Amsterdam as a professor at uh, at at, the, at university here, the Vrije Universiteit. And then we did a, a student project in a call center. So I first saw a call center from the inside, got acquainted a bit with the, the challenges um, over there. found these, these very interesting. And over time, uh, also together with my co-founder, Al Pot, I did academic research on it. And of course, we started publishing scientific papers. But I also wanted to make the step towards industry. And actually, we went talking to one or two companies that are represented here in the Netherlands and said, hey, we have solutions and I think you might be able to profit from that. Are you interested in that? Can can we help you with that? Can we?" And they said, well, that's all very interesting, but we have good tooling and uh, perhaps from some more some consulting-like uh, assignments, it might be helpful. Um, but they basically said no. And then we thought, well, uh, if they... Why not try to do it ourselves? Because we believe in our solutions, and that's why we founded uh, CC Mod in in two thousand five. Um, I had together with 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 Al Capote, who, was, uh, who was still working at CC uh and um, I had together we 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 started CC
0: And I think I don't know if you agree or not, but probably yeah. the challenges that you guys set up to solve in the beginning uh, they changed. Um, well, so i, I yeah. think multiple achievements over time so and i think you will agree that the kind of the mathematics behind uh workforce management they are present not most people just think it's only forecasting but it's way more than that yeah um i wanted to kind of ask like what are kind of the core principles that almost everyone in wfm uses but they don't even know they re- they actually using any kind of like inside that you could share because i think this is very powerful when people realize that they use it but they don't even know they do
1: well well one of the things is we all use scheduling engines we all have a tool to uh, a planning tool but the technology behind that is is pretty advanced and there are all kinds of optimization uh, methods uh, behind that working for you yeah so that is one of the things but What I find fascinating about call centers is the role that variability plays and the fact that because of that variability that we can predict to a certain extent, but to a certain extent is unpredictable and we have to deal with that. And so we need flexibility to counter that. So this whole interplay between variability and flexibility, and I mean, everybody is using that. But quantifying that, getting really, really understanding that, that is, I think, one of the most interesting uh, challenges. But uh, if you look at CCMAT in our own scheduling tool, a a lot of our, well, a lot of work and a lot of our uh, mathematics goes into uh, uh, making uh, new scheduling engines for for different types of, of situations. That is also a really big part of our... At least the, the work on the algorithms uh, mm-hmm.
0: that we. Uh, just to go back on the kind of like ccmat like you said, you, you founded ccmat in 2005. um yeah. So the industry evolved quite some time. What was the, for you, the scariest moment, or the moment that you s- thought that was kind of a huge milestone broken?
1: I mean, there were never really scary moments that that, that we ever. We're at the edge of going bankrupt or something like that. Of course, over time, you learn. And um, uh, we learned in many ways. And also the company changed in many ways. And when uh, you start with a, with a certain business plan, and of course, you need to have a business plan to start working with. But it has been changing over time. And sometimes you take a decision in five minutes that has huge consequences in huge amounts of work. For example, at some point in the beginning, we only made algorithms. And then we had partners who made the user interface and and, uh, and the databases behind it and everything. And all we had was a scheduling algorithm or Erling algorithm or forecasting algorithm. And then we said, we don't want to depend on these partners anymore. We want to make our own user interface. But that is a lot of work. Yes, and we went through different versions of that, but that decision was very quickly made and it meant a lot of work. Something else is we have online trainings and at some point one of our customers for who we did face-to-face trainings came to us and said, yeah, we want you to train all our planners, but they're all around the world and we don't want them to fly them to Amsterdam once a year for a whole week to have them out of the process and spend a lot of money on that. So, can you make online trainings? And then we said, yeah, sure. But the amount of work that it takes to make online trainings for all types of training, that's a huge amount of work. Yeah, so we spent yeah. a lot of time uh, around what we now call our WFM Academy. It's, so um, it's it's
0: the underestimating not knowing <laughs> the full yeah, scope. <laughs>
1: so I mean that's the opportunism of um, mm-hmm. uh, of a starting company. You say yes, let's do it. And I think and uh, that's great. We do have an enthusiastic theme and we, we still have a bit this this startup well feeling in our company uh, mentality. On mm-hmm. the other hand, we're growing, we're, uh, we're 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 a serious business by, by now. Um uh, having a large team, so we at the same time we are we, we need to work in a structured way, guaranteeing service level, levels and everything that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And I do think so in that sense, every phase has its uh, challenges and mm-hmm. I'm still involved in the mathematics and, and the algorithms. But I also like this, there are now two similar days and, and the challenges change over time. So um, mm-hmm. And I, I like that very much.
0: And and uh, it, it's clear. Like we had a few interactions with we, as a partner. I think it's it, that yeah. mentality. It's 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 super cool to feel. So back to the academic space. So yeah, as as a professor and now a personal opinion. So I I struggle a lot throughout my career to find professionals within the WFM space with the right background working either on for, like there are some backgrounds that are more commonly seen, but normally what we see is people that are super well-rounded. They have the simple basic concepts about how to use Excel. They either trust blindly the softwares they use and they don't understand necessarily what's behind it, but like they learned how to do it. So the knowledge is on the job. And I think knowledge is key sometimes for this space to grow. So, uh, and because everything is learned on the job, I think there is some kind of gap um, here. Do you think there is enough academic learning programs or courses that exist today for this? Or how big is the gap that needs to be shortened for, to increase yeah. this skill set?
1: Yeah, well, there's definitely a gap. Yes, when you talk to kids uh, at high school, uh, someone want to become a doctor, others want to become a lawyer, and a third wants to become uh, an accountant. But nobody says, I want to become... call center planner and I go to school for that. So everybody I talk to in call centers has very different backgrounds. Yes, But I I do think they are are very good professionals. eh? And I think for a company like CCMath, it is essential that we have WFM professionals and we have mathematicians, but it's very hard to find people who have both these skills. And what you do see nowadays is slowly there are data scientists working into, call, into to the call center area, and they do have the mathematical and AI backgrounds um, uh, to, to, to really understand the, the underlying principles, although they often lack the understanding of call centers. Eh? You really have to understand call centers. You really need call center understanding and both mathematical understanding and it's very rare to see them both. Of course, that is one of the reasons why there's room for trainings like we do to uh, to educate people, to train people. On the other hand, and I do think uh, we try to, uh, in our software, uh, if you have smart software, and nowadays with AI, uh, software really gets smarter and smarter. To a certain extent, it replaces uh, the knowledge, but I do think it's very important to have definitely, perhaps not at, at the day-to-day planning level, but definitely at, at the more consulting type uh, functions to have people with a solid mathematical or statistical academic background combined with a number of years experience in in call centers but because you really and and that is the big pitfall of the data scientists that work in call centers they all know about forecasting but forecasting in call centers is is quite specific, and scheduling even more so so that is and we also see companies that are with a strong data science background but who are struggling really with with the call center side of it and how call centers function
0: Actually, it's a very interesting point. I agree with you that there is a lot of data scientists coming in into the space more and more, which I think it's yes. it's good because creates that opportunity to grow and, and recognize the function, which I think it's great. I think there is also missing that like that gap on there is a lot of planning growth for logistics. Like there is actually some academic backgrounds on which Again, we spoke about this in the beginning. The concept-wise, it's the same. So maybe it's just yeah. within those courses, add some specifics on, on these industry, on the, on the different types of... It. it doesn't need to be a full program, but I think it could be interesting to prepare yeah. better professionals. What What do you think?
1: Well, for example, I, I try to teach them at the university a couple of courses on what, what are the challenges in in call centers. Yes, But yeah, we need much more. And... I really think hey, within data science, they often talk about uh, T-shaped professionals. Yes, so that means you, you know a lot about one specific methodology, but you you have a wide experience with, with other methodologies. Yes, that uh, if you only know how to use a hammer and you give somebody a screw, hey, then you're doing the wrong thing. So you you also need to know how to how to handle a screwdriver. Yes, but nowadays, they often talk about pie-shaped professionals, yes? And the second pillar is, instead of a T, T, it two uh, vertical lines. Um, And the second one is is knowledge about some application area. And I think if you go see a LinkedIn post, many people agree on that. It's largely underestimated, eh? the necessity of having knowledge about the application area. And so... um, and that, that is really crucial uh, also for data scientists. And that is one of the reasons uh, that I think within CCMOD we have a balance between people with a scientific background, developers for making uh, software, but also WFM professionals. I, I learned a lot from them, really from the interactions mm-hmm. with, with, uh, with the people here at CCMOD.
0: I I like that you brought up the T-shaped and the P-shaped kind of like, uh, because I I actually read an article about that recently. Um, And I think those layers of specialization that you need um, of expertise, they are critical to develop, not only specific to WFM, but I think to any professional, because it's, that's what will make you different. That's what will increase your skill set and enlarge the Absolutely. way you can interact with, yeah. with the different skills. And,
1: and logistics is really different from healthcare, even though they mm-hmm. use Erlang or similar things. And that is, and again, really different from call centers. So don't think that if you know something about um, call centers or healthcare that you also know about call centers.
0: Yeah, that's that's a misconception that I see very commonly, actually. So to elaborate a bit more, so we were speaking about the cycle, and now let's let's jump to focus a bit on, on forecasting. Sure. Uh, we mentioned before about the math behind it, kind of like some of the, how important it is. We even spoke about the, that cycle of aligning, cleaning data, et cetera, et cetera. The question, to have a closed question, is about how critical is a good forecast in the workforce management cycle?
1: I think if your forecast is better, that definitely helps. I mean, if your forecast is wrong, you always need to adapt in your schedule and you always need real-time management to adapt for the errors in your forecast. Yeah. So a better forecast always saves money and always saves a lot of work Mm -hmm. to rework during the day. However, there is a limit to the position you can achieve with your forecast. So there is always, hey, if you want to achieve a stable surface level, there is always um, the need for uh, for real-time uh, management. And of course, a lot of other things happen than just errors in your forecast. And there are always unforeseen things, people things that you cannot predict. There are always people ill. There are systems going down etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a limit to the uh, mm-hmm. to the precision of uh, of of your forecasts
0: yeah one of the things i see i don't know if this is common uh, to you as well is that i had different conversations with some of them with decision makers that they struggle to what's the most critical piece is like do i invest in a very good software uh, forecasting either team software that gives me as much as accurate possible tailored to my actual use case Or do I keep it to a level that I'm comfortable with, but then I invest in the next step, which is translating that into value to the organization and planning scenarios and more strategic planning? Um, And I think this is a very hard one to pull because there are always benefits and uh, pros and cons on both sides. But I I personally, I'm a fan of finding the balance between both. Um, Sure, uh, sure. I think the struggle is, I'm not sure if you agree, is that it's not very common uh, because normally everyone picks one side and goes all in in one and then they try to all go all in on the other. So they keep running uh, yeah. against the, the mouse. Um, what, what kind of advices would you give from someone that probably has on that consulting role seen loads of different setups? What what are the yeah. common mistakes and advices?
1: you Well, give? Let, let, let me start by saying that it's really a hard uh Uh, a hard question and of course a chain is strong as its weakest uh, chain. So what I do think we we talk to a lot of organizations who talk about improving their forecast and I think Mm -hmm. it's not just about the accuracy it is also about reliability, not making errors, these type of things. Something else is that I hardly hear people talking about the accuracy of scheduling software. And a tool is often used as Erling C also in many uh, scheduling tools. Simply, it it consistently gives you the wrong solution. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so thinking about it, starting to evaluate it. And when you choose a scheduling tool, not saying, does it support just ticking all the tick boxes, but also looking at the quality of it and just comparing some tooling and see which one fits your needs best and it mm-hmm. really gives you the best service level that is hardly done yes and it's a huge investment. Uh, people often do that for multiple years so spending a bit more time and, and thinking about the quality of the tooling is something um, that is worth investing in mm-hmm. and it's it's it also has to do with the maturity of 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 your planning process eh? it, it's about it's also about asking the right questions yep. yes and i think well, we really need to make uh, as as, a, as an industry together yes uh, and I, make steps I agree. Into, into
0: and i think and i think one thing i see a lot is that people investing a lot on trying to forecast the demand they really really involvement but, but then I don't, know, I don't know for whatever reason, there is always a level of assumptions that people take for granted. So for instance, there are, oh, I'm going to forecast demand, but then every single other assumption is an average that I saw somewhere on the report. And, and yep. they forget that. Actually, there are models that can help you even de- predict what's the best, like based on either um, different curves about intraday patterns or even spe- special exactly. like you can forecast not only your demand, but you can forecast almost as every single variable. And and have models for every single variable, And I think that's one of the common mistakes I see, is that people use it for one thing, and then everything else is assumptions on top. And yeah. then they complain the forecast, which is the most advanced thing they have. So that's that's one of the ones I see a lot. Um, and, and that touches on something we spoke even before we start speaking, which is there's is a lot of focus on the forecast accuracy. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh we did a good forecast on the demand side but then all the other piece about scheduling and for accuracy of the schedule accuracy of the plan that's where those assumptions have uh, a saying because people are probably not Paying the same level of respect and attention as they did on the on the forecast. What's what's your take on this one?
1: No, I I agree on that, and it's actually something we do uh, scientific work on. So at the university, so what what we try to do is we try to qu- quantify the impact of the the variability of the uh, the a- agent heterogeneity. Of course, every day you have a different agent pool. So that means that your handling times will be different from day to day, especially when you have a a new group a fresh training class entering the call center. These type of things have, of course, consequence on your handling time. So, and it's interesting to know. So, what are the consequences on the quality of your uh, of your schedule? Yes, and these type of things uh, we are looking into that, and then trying to quantify. Okay. Yeah, if we dive deeper into the uh, the composition of the agent pool, and we use that to predict the handling times, and we use that to do the uh, the right staffing levels, does that really um, increase the accuracy of the of the service level estimations and with that the quality of the of the schedule? So these are some of the things we uh, we dive into mm-hmm. and we want to uh, get more clarity yeah. about.
0: And, and I think that's super important on the development of, 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 of the professionals and, yeah. and the function uh, as well. But, but You started to touch on this so, more on the academic level. Um, and I know you have been teaching and developing people uh, yeah. as a professor for over 25 years from my research. I hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, uh, <you're> right. <laughs> what do you love the most about uh, teaching and developing other people?
1: well it's it's always nice, and the same holds for call centers to work with uh yeah, of course by now i'm a bit older, but to work with young people and to work together to achieve a com- common goal so it's nice to work as a team both at the university where you have a research group around you and, and young people to, trying to get their master's or their PhD, uh, smart, motivated people. The same holds here within Mod or the same holds for the trainings that we give. I, Of course, I do not give them my loan. Uh, many years ago, I started doing this training. But by, by now, we have a team uh, doing that. Um, yeah, but that, that motivates me. On the other hand, what really motivates me is um, that I'm still very much curious about what's underlying and when we find things um and and i really like to discover new things within call centers translate them into nice scientific solutions and on the way uh, for example when we try to quantify come up with simple formulas to quantify the level of accuracy you can achieve in your forecast yes these were really great moments when you Find things right, when you discover something. So that is still this this scientific curiosity that that drives me. And on the other hand, I do say, um, um, of course, call centers um, uh, are not always the best environment for people to work in. But what we do try in in our software, and I really think that's important, to make also schedules better do not require more flexibility from the agents than required. So I, I do try uh, within CC CCMAT mm-hmm. to make life of call center agents as, as good as possible to also think about, uh, well... The, the um, employee side and the human side. Yeah, exactly. It's super
0: important, super yeah. important. I think it's good because with the focus on mathematics and the scientific side of the numbers, it's very easy to disregard that piece. And I think yeah. having that in the front line is, is very important. Yeah,
1: you, you have to think also about the human side of it. Yeah, yeah. And and, yeah. and I have to,
0: just to go back on something you said before, so you remind me, um, so my grandfather used to say when I was younger, uh, it's, a, it's a saying in Portuguese, I don't think it translates in English the same way, but I will try my best, which is <laughs> yeah. that knowledge does not take uh, too much space meaning that no matter how much you can research how much you can learn knowledge is going to be knowledge so it does you don't get like heavier because you have more knowledge so knowledge is always something good to have and it, that's kind of the way you describe it on that instinct of no wanting to know more why things happen i yeah. think that's yeah. that's super inspiring um and that touching on inspiring who inspired you the most and why oh
1: yeah well um perhaps two people. Of course, when I was studying in in Leiden, uh, which is a small university town in the Netherlands, the oldest university uh, of the Netherlands, um, I I had a PhD advisor and uh, he was specialized in queuing systems. uh, So the whole theory behind uh, the Erlang formulas and in how to control queues, all at a very theoretical level. But he learned me to do research and really to stare at a white piece of paper for a day before you come up with something sensible. Yes, And that is really how making new algorithms, inventing mathematics works. Yeah? And, and so that was the theoretical side. And then I came here in Amsterdam. I got appointed here. And then there was a part-time professor. Who was at the same time working at a bank who had this uh this call center uh, which was the first call center I saw from the inside, and he showed me the attitude of um well how you apply mathematics in practice and how to convince people and what the value is of applied science and that inspired me a lot and and so in in the first years here at the university. I learned a lot from him. And, and I think that also sparked uh, us wanting to, to to start a company because what I really liked, I mean, doing research and writing academic papers is one thing, but I mean, the real proof that you did something useful eh, is when people are so much interested that they start using their to- your tooling that they're willing to pay for it. Um so that is, in a way, the ultimate proof that um, that your inventions, your mathematics, uh, are doing something useful.
0: It's kind of like sh- the the proof that that works. Uh, that any many other functions, the outcome of what you are trying to produce is visual, is something material. Yeah. And yeah. Many times when it's something more theoretical, it's hard to to grasp. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. what it is. Um, so final question for you sure. is your role and i, I think you you loved, i would love to ask what role would you love to see mathematics playing in the wfm industry in the future um, even though that there is a huge part of it that is around mathematics but even sometimes not being recognized but what role do you think that mathematics can
1: well play? mathematics sometimes is called uh, the language of science so mathematics mm-hmm. without us realizing is is underlying everything. People talk about science a lot, and uh, definitely the last couple of years because of COVID and all kinds of discovery. Underlying that is it's all about statistics, it's all about fluctuations, it's the same science as as forecasting. So I do think um and the same holds for scheduling. So without us realizing it, perhaps mathematics is underlying so many things. I think but we talked about should we um, about educating planners on the one hand and and software becoming smarter on the other hand. So I really would like to make software smarter, make it easier to use, make it more automated, make it more visual for the user. What, what the different options are, how to use the software to really make in using artificial intelligence to make our software smarter in the sense that it's even easier to use and that uh, and that people can even more focus on communication Eh, it's like when you're sitting in your car you feel one with your car yes (laughs) i have this feeling when i drive a long way eh, you're really feeling connected and and that feeling that's the feeling you should also have with software and with some nice software tools you have that and i would like that as well for our wfm uh, software
0: That's a very interesting way to put things, Jar. Thank you so much for the time today uh We' love to you. get your thoughts and more in depth about uh, workforce management on the on the lens of a professor and someone that is fighting to get the knowledge out there and I think for uh, someone personally that I've been saying that we need more and more people with this knowledge and Getting through learning is such the critical part of uh, workforce management that we I don't think we have enough. So was for me, it was really inspiring to to speak with you uh, and to have you representing CCMAT as well as our key partner uh, for, with WFM. Thank you so much for
1: thank the you. time. Really nice doing
0: uh, it. So for everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed as much as I, as I did. Um, thank you and follow both us and Mat through our website. Uh, we'll leave the links below. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: for listening to WeWFM. This podcast is made and produced by André Loitão, Bill Hentolun, Doug Carstetan, Gonçalo Gomes, and Kim Paz. If you like the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and colleagues. Visit our website, WWFM.com to find more exclusive interviews and WFM content. See you next time. All rights reserved.